Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. Now here's your host, Annette Stevenson. Every September, Feeding America presents Hunger Action Month. It's a nationwide awareness campaign designed to raise public awareness and inspire action on the issue of hunger. Here in Pennsylvania, Jane Clements, Chief Executive Officer of Feeding PA, works with her team to get citizens across the Commonwealth involved in advocacy, fundraising, and volunteer efforts to help end hunger in our state. Today, I'm talking with Jane on this upcoming observance in September, Feeding PA's other ongoing programs, and how our communities can get involved. Thanks for joining us, Jane. Thank you. Proud to be here. So can you start by giving us an overview of the hunger and food scarcity issues that exist here in Pennsylvania? Sure. So hunger has been a longtime issue, unfortunately, in Pennsylvania. And prior to COVID-19, we had about 1.5 million Pennsylvanians facing hunger. And people kind of cycle in and out of poverty based on what's going on in their lives. And that's why COVID-19 was such a big issue for our food banks, because Mm -hmm. in just about less than a month, 1.9 million Pennsylvanians had filed for unemployment. And we were seeing this new constituency of people who had never needed the charitable food network before in their lives. So, you know, when I I talk about people and about 2 million coming in and out of our pantries over a year, in just the first three months of the pandemic, our food bank saw 5.5 million people come through needing additional resources. And these were individuals that perhaps had no experience with this support system before, as you mentioned. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and I I talk about this a lot. I always use this example. I had a friend who was a hairstylist and her husband owns a gym. And now overnight, the two of them had a great salary together. And now their, um, you know, mortgage is still coming, insurance bills are still coming, car payments, all of that, but they have zero income. And so what we saw in the beginning was people like that, they don't look at the charitable food network as something they need. You know, they, mm-hmm. the face of hunger wasn't them. So you saw people hoping this was temporary, but flying through their savings. And so the challenge or the objective for us really became to get the word out to people that this is for you. We are here for anyone who is temporarily unemployed and beyond. And so I think that was probably one of the more interesting things for us to see. And it was um, hard. I went to a, a drive-in distribution last May and, and I told people so many times, nobody wants to be in that line. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll tell you 100%, nobody wants to, to be in that situation. And we even saw people handing out a dollar or two from their window saying like, I've never done this before. I'm just unemployed right now, but I promise I'll be giving back to the food banks when I get back on my feet. Yeah, really challenging and unique situation. So agriculture is obviously a leading industry in Pennsylvania. Are there any programs that you're aware of in existence that tie local growers to the organizations that can help get the food to those in need? Yes, absolutely. Actually, Feeding Pennsylvania administers one of the main programs. It's called the Pennsylvania Ag Surplus System, better known as PASS. And it is a state allocated program through the Department of Agriculture. And then we subcontract with our food banks. And the money is to acquire surplus product from Pennsylvania farmers and processors. So we've done anything from working with dairy farms to take surplus milk and process it into cheese or yogurt or other dairy products. We work with egg producers and sometimes we have to pay as little as 15 cents a dozen just to pay for the cartons for surplus eggs. We've paid farmers to get 
surplus B-grade apples out of the orchard. And actually, we're working with state fairs now, um, some of the county fairs, excuse me, on working with the 4-H livestock sales to be able to mm-hmm. allow people to donate an animal and we can use the money to process that in the family size packaging. So yeah, you talk about agriculture, there's 53,000 farms in Pennsylvania. And I often say for anyone to be struggling with food is outrageous. Not only that, a lot of that food can end up going to waste. And this is such a great win-win for us and agriculture. So what does the data tell us about the correlation between hunger and student performance? Well, I often, um, when I talk about this, I say, um, I know I don't perform well when I'm hungry. So you can imagine a child who is growing and trying to learn and focus on their school work and then beyond even doing sports. And if they don't have the proper nutrition they need, the statistics tell us there are more behavioral issues, there are more trips to the nurse, and there are more absentees. And so we've really worked with a lot of the schools, the Department of Education, and USDA to really promote the fact that every child should be able to have access to nutritious food, especially during the critical time when they're at school. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. During their learning time and daytime hours. Yes. They're so active, you know? Yes. I mentioned Hunger Action Month. So in addition to Hunger Action Month, what are some of the other programs of your organization that might impact K through 12 students and their families? Sure. So, I mean, Hunger Action Month is really just a time for the Charitable Food Network to take a moment and really shine a light on the issue of hunger. We do a lot of different events. We do a lot of advocacy work with the federal legislators and state legislators. But throughout the year, the things that, you know, we do are um, our food banks definitely partner with school districts. We have after school feeding programs that some of our food banks sponsor. We most recently, prior to COVID, we're doing um, school pantries. So some schools actually designate a classroom to become a school pantry, therefore being able to serve not only families at the school, but people in the community at certain hours. We've been able to work with our federal and state legislators to um, advocate for the waivers that came through this year as part of COVID, which allowed more people to receive more free and reduced school lunch and breakfast, but also for after-school feeding programs, you know, it used to be the rule that if a a child came to an after-school feeding program or a summer feeding program, they had to receive their meal, they had to receive everything in the meal, and if they didn't finish, you had to throw it out, you could not take it with you, Mm. and um, and you had to eat it there, and so through the waiver we got for non-congregate feeding sites, as we call it, a child is able to take that at home and it reduces food waste. We often find that they are sometimes sharing with their siblings as well, but it also sometimes is just a lot more comfortable for families. Mm -hmm. And especially in the rural parts of Pennsylvania, when it's hard to get somewhere to pick up a meal every day, when you had something like COVID where schools were closed, the waiver allowed them to take multiple meals home. So they were only dragging the kids in the car one day a week to pick up their meals rather than every single day. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. So you mentioned the the numbers of families that were in need of support due to COVID. Are there other ways that COVID has, and, and the circumstances surrounding the past 15 months, other impacts to the work of your organization? Absolutely. So typically when you went into a pantry prior to COVID, 
it was kind of like a shopping situation. You know, we call it a choice model. So you'd mm-hmm. walk around and grab what you needed. And really COVID made all of that a challenge when you were trying to do social distancing. And there was a lot of misinformation about whether or not touching something could spread the virus. And so we shifted to a box model, which, you know, was an enormous change to what we did and having to even work with our volunteers on the social distancing aspect and the disinfecting of even creating those boxes. But a lot of our food banks are still doing this box model. It allowed for what you saw on television. Pittsburgh Food Bank was pretty famous for this. You allowed families to do a drive-through non-touch distribution. You popped your trunk, we put the box of food in. USDA actually started taking on that role as well and did some of the farmers family food boxes. And then Feeding Pennsylvania, we got even extra money through the CARES program and we were able to create our own boxes with Pennsylvania agricultural products as well. So yes, it was definitely a challenge. It was a challenge in our own workforce in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have families. Um, I have two children and everybody's trying to balance how they're going to continue to to provide the services we provide while also trying to balance our personal lives. But overall, you know, we have a really strong network. We are fortunate to be part of the Feeding America network. And and it really was quite a time in history, I think, for everybody. And I'm really proud of the work we were able to accomplish. Much needed service and support that you all were providing, as well as the national level. Yes. So uh, listeners to the podcast, where can they find out more information or what are some ways that they can help and support this cause? Sure. So our our website is feedingpa.org where you can learn about all of our members and then also a lot of our other programs. One of the programs I love is our Healthy Pantry Initiative. We actually have a registered dietitian on staff and nutrition educators that are working with pantries on helping families kind of understand a little bit more about nutrition and how it supports you. And during COVID, we actually did some kid-related, children-related recipes and little activities that you could do when you have your children at home and you're like, well, you know, what are we going to do together using products that you would receive in a food pantry? But I mean, you know, I certainly am not someone that goes to a food pantry, but I found myself even having fun going on there and taking a look at it. So feedingpa.org is where you can find out more. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Keystone Education Radio. Really appreciate it and really appreciate the work that your organization does. Thank you. Keystone Education Radio is a production of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. This episode is brought to you in part by Keystone Purchasing Network and Piper Sandler. Visit our website at keyedradio.org for more information on today's discussion and past episodes. Subscribe, share, and follow us on social media so you can stay tuned to new topics and interviews. This is Annette Stevenson saying thank you for listening to Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.